Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in this episode, we are going over our latest mastermind call in December with some incredible people in the mobile home park space, in the development space, and in the single family investing space. We'll also post the complete video recording on our Facebook group page, facebook.com slash groups slash Monte Carlo REI, in case you are interested in putting a face to the voices. Here we go. Welcome everybody. I'm Stephanie Boldrini, host of the Commercial Real Estate Investing Podcast. So this is our monthly mastermind call. And I'll start by sharing that this last month, I have been completely out of touch with everything that is happening in the market and asset classes, um, because I have been dealing with a new asset class that I invested in, uh, and that is car wash. And uh, I was put through the ringer right away. Within nine days of closing, one of the roofs caved due to snow. Money has been already been stolen. And... Uh, Within 20, 20 days of closing, my maintenance guy quit without giving any notice. Uh, so thankfully, um, I was able to hire someone within a day. What I did was to put a, an ad on Craigslist right away. And also I contacted a staffing company and had people interview that same day and hired someone the very next day. So all in all, it took two days to get someone started, which was really, really good. And um, as always, these things can be blessings in disguise because um, we hired someone that is a lot better and uh, is taking on a lot more responsibilities. I'll be doing a couple of episodes on why car washes, what did we do to them uh, within this last month and how we are managing it from far away. All I can tell right now is that it's a very hands-on asset class with a lot of moving parts and... Um, I do expect things to get a lot smoother over the last, the next month, but uh, it has been quite a ride so far. As far as what's happening in my local market in San Francisco, we are in the purple zone again, closing all indoor dining, all gyms, which is heartbreaking still for all the business owners. And um, now even I am moving out of here and uh, that is just mainly because I, I just don't feel safe in this city anymore. Uh, and it's definitely not because of COVID. But condos and apartments in my area of town are now at least 50% vacant, up from 40% since our last call. There are multiple retail space for lease in every single block. And that is really not only in this business area, it's everywhere in the city. And even in the suburbs of Silicon Valley, uh, in the residential space, there are quite a few uh, residential properties at discounted rates, which I was surprised uh, to see. I, I think that it's because quite a few of them were Airbnbs for 
people traveling here for startups or two weeks at a time. And now that's not happening. So the good news is that the home sales are not slowing down in, in any way. And there are still multiple bids uh, happening. And with that, I will pass to the, my co-host, Todd Silzinger. Thanks, Steph. Um, yeah, just kind of following on, because you know, we live in the same market in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that's been one of the kind of interesting things is that the, in the San Jose market, the median home price just hit another record. So rents have come down. Uh, I think we've seen that definitely in San Francisco and also um, south of the city in, in Silicon Valley. Home prices seem to be maintaining their values. And it really just comes down to uh, supply and demand issue here. I just read uh, also about an apartment building in Redwood City where I live that just sold for 816000 per door, which was Oof. a record for uh, for Redwood City. I'm not sure that compared to some of the other uh, areas uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, but uh, and yeah, an incredible amount of money. Somebody who is a, a developer, it's their first um, uh, play into the apartment building uh, uh, space. And they, uh, it's a you know, brand new building, great location, um, but yeah, 816,000 per door, even with, you know, the rents in that building are probably going to be between, uh, gosh, maybe 3,000 to five, maybe 6,000, um, but still it's just a, a incredible amount of money to pay for an apartment building. I focus on the mobile home park space and uh, kind of one of the biggest things that's still impacting us is our inability to process evictions. Um, I have properties in Georgia and Tennessee that are landlord friendly states typically. In Georgia in particular, we had the courts closed in March. They opened back up at the end of July. And we had to we had to start the eviction process on several people. Uh, so then, you know, through that process, we had several people that, uh, after a couple months process before we got a court date, they moved out just before their eviction was filed. Uh, other people were still going through the process. We've got a couple of tenants now that have been in the park for almost a year that haven't paid rent, and where we really have our hands tied. Uh, you know, they're um, you know the court can only move so fast. They're giving uh, tenants the ability to do Zoom calls if they don't feel like it's physically safe for them to come down to the courthouse. So if that could be another excuse for them to delay things a little bit, they're, they're taking advantage of it. That's definitely been a challenge for us. So we've been trying to make uh, an extra effort to try to to try to see if we can work out some kind of payment plans, potentially discount some of their rent, uh, definitely don't charge, uh, not charge late fees and try to work with them as much as we can to get them back uh, paid up to date so we don't have to file an eviction. Another way COVID has impacted us, uh, another example is we had uh, my park in Tennessee, one of the residents, a resident had a home that they wanted to bring into the park. And we thought we were going to be able to get that in, you know, within a month of him contacting us. And there were multiple delays with his mobile home mover. The most recent one was when he contacted us and said that seven of the 10 people on his moving team uh, came down with COVID. So, you know, this guy's moving mobile homes uh, all over the place, you know, new homes, used homes uh, to different parts of Tennessee. And, you know, when he lost 70% of his staff, that just backed up everybody in the, in the queue in terms of getting their, their homes into place. So that's just kind of a, you know, another uh, example of how, uh, how the pandemic has you know, slowed things down uh, in terms of just making progress on our projects. So that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty much my update for this, uh, this quarter. 
Thank you, Todd. Victor, do you want to go next? Sure. Well, we've been busy with a number of new projects. And as you probably know, we also get a fair number of requests to consult on new development and so on. So right now we have clients, for example, that are, you know, we're doing a 150-unit apartment building up in Spokane, Washington for a client. We're doing a 60-unit uh, townhouse subdivision just outside of Boise, Idaho. We are doing storage, uh, boat and RV storage facility up in Austin, Texas. So just a bunch of different projects. So we decided to formalize the consulting division rather than just doing it on a best effort basis uh, to really officially make it a core part of the business. And uh, so that's kind of a new addition. And that's going to allow us to train the future leadership in the company. We're not going to accept every client by any means, but only those that we would say are intentionally congruent with that which we're already doing. Uh, we have another project that we're working on right now that's a bit of a passion project. I think it's going to make money, um, although it's not the main reason why we're doing it. And this is a property that is owned by our federal government here in Canada. We have a quasi-governmental body called the National Capital Commission, and they are one of the largest landlords in the area. And we have a 25-acre it's a farm in the core of the city. The National Capital Commission put about a million eight of renovation into one of these buildings. And what I'm about to show you are renderings from uh, our architecture firm. So this is one of the two historic buildings on the property. This is the core of the building, and we're planning to build an extension, uh, which is the part that you see on the right-hand side. and we're seeing it from the front. From the back, it looks way more interesting. Uh, the second building is a historic barn, and it has this stone annex off to the side and without a roof, and our plan is to put a, a glass roof on it, turn it into a bit of a greenhouse. And the concept behind the project is to build a an urban farm-to-table restaurant in the core of the city. It's a very large property. It's within a few minutes of the hottest neighborhood in the city. And our city has nothing like it. And so we're in negotiation right now with the National Capital Commission on the approval for this particular project. And we figure it's going to bring something in the range of between four and five million a year in top line revenue, which isn't huge, but for a restaurant, it's pretty damn good. And the interesting thing about it, it's not just a restaurant, it's a multi-event space. So we have the capacity to hold two weddings simultaneously. And uh, one of our partners is the chair of the National Capital Wedding Show. So not only does she know everyone in the wedding industry, she knows she has the list of the 600 brides this year that didn't have their wedding. Which is, uh, Exciting. And then Victor, will you lease it to a restaurant operator? We'll be hiring the staff ourselves. Okay. So you'll, you'll run the restaurant. We'll, okay. we'll run the restaurant. It'll be captive. And we brought in a consultant 
to design the restaurant. Uh, his name is Eric Weiss out of New York. He His business is called Service Arts, and what he does is he helps restaurants and hotels all over the world transform. So he just did a project in Portugal for Six Senses, who just captured the number one spot of uh, number one luxury hotel property in the world. He's currently doing a project for Belmond in Santa Barbara. Uh, he's done uh, the Hilton in Union Square in San Francisco. He's done the New York Hilton. He's done a bunch of boutique hotels up in Healdsburg in one country. So he's helped us with this whole concept. And it's going to be called La Commune, which it's on the Quebec side of the border. So it translates both into French and English beautifully. Uh, so that's yet another project that we didn't quite have time for. But uh, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so, that's exciting. It's Very kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Part of the reason I wanted to show you this is we were reasonably impressed with the renderings that were done. Take a guess how much we spent for to get all those renderings done. 25,000? No, way more. Several hundred thousand, I would say, but. That's usually the first guess is 25,000. Uh, 3,000 now with that face. <laughs> a, little, a little bit less. <laughs> little Did bit you have less. a gun to the guy's head? No, no. We paid $750, and it's an architecture firm that had been business uh, for about 30 years uh, based in New Delhi. Wow. And they put a team of four guys on it. And uh, that took 12 days. That's Needless crazy. to say, we'll be hiring them again. That was done in three different tools. So they did the massing in Revit. So we gave them the CAD file for the pavilion as a starting point. So that gave them a 3D model to start with. And then they didn't have the rest, so they had to capture that. So we gave them some dimensions. Uh, but they built a 3D model in Revit. And then they once they had the massing right, then they added the texturing, and then they took it into another tool to do all the grading, uh, the topography on the for the grounds. Why was has this land remained vacant for so long in the city? So it was a historic farm that was acquired by the National Capital Commission. They had done a deal with another operator who had done a bit of a country store slash restaurant, and they were relying on the agriculture from the property. And then they had a crop failure, and that killed the business. And so... We'll be bringing in an agricultural partner whose job will be to cultivate about eight acres of the property. So we will source some produce from the local farm, but but we'll be largely importing. So it's going to be a little bit of a Disneyland type experience as far as that goes. The greenhouse is intended to be our herb garden. The pavilion itself is about 6,000 square feet, so it, it's quite large and easily could seat 200 uh, we're planning on 130 plus another 70 on the patio. So even with that, it's still pretty, it's a large, large restaurant. It's not small. It's, we're learning lots and it's kind of fun. And and uh, I know Lowe is not here on the call, but the project that he and I are doing together is progressing well. We've finished framing now on six buildings uh, after having survived two hurricanes back to back. And... Now we're hiring interior designers to go source about a half million bucks worth of furnitures and fittings. And then we're, we've got a couple of other projects. We've got a 240-unit Houston project uh, that we're in the capital raise for right now. 
Oh, and then of course our our downtown condo project. We're negotiating on uh, a bit more land on the land assembly right now on that. So it's and been a bit. City is that in? Yeah, it's in my home city in Ottawa, Canada. What's your consulting yeah. website so people can find you? We haven't launched it. It's all been word of mouth, and it's amazing. You know, people say, "Oh, I got a plot of land. What can I do with it?" And they just don't know how. Yeah. You know, we can pretty much go into any city in North America, and within usually fifteen thirty minutes, figure out exactly what what line in the zoning code, even if it's a thousand pages, uh, applies to that property. And we show them very clearly what's possible and. Uh, we'll show them the, you know, the minutes from the city council meeting where the neighboring property got denied and all that stuff. <laughs> so. Adriana, you want to go next? Sure. So we're in single family homes in California, Ohio, Michigan, and Alabama. We started in California, but in the last three years, we've decided the rules are getting a little too dumb. Time to get out. So we've done it in a very leisurely way. We keep waiting for somebody to move and then we put the house on the market and it's been great. It's worked nicely until this year when nobody wanted to move for any particular reason. Uh, the biggest challenge is, as Todd said, is evictions. So in California, we weren't as successful. We offer money for keys. In Michigan, that's worked great. In Huntsville, Alabama, rules are completely different. Somebody doesn't behave themselves, you get a notice from the attorney, you get a second notice. If you do it again, you're out, period. We don't even have to go to court. It's sort of the wild, wild west, only it's not the west. So it, that was a bit of a surprise. We're new to the Huntsville market. The last year, year and a half, we've been there. The rules there are amazing. Um, that market is so hot, both to buy anything. If I want to buy anything, it has to be a pocket listing. Everything else gets bid up. In one weekend, there's 48 bids over asking. So, But what's that, interesting about Huntsville, though, is the rents haven't gone up that much, even though there's that much demand with the, right. the new Toyota plant and all that stuff, right? It's a matter of time, though, right? I yeah. mean, it has to catch up. I can still get over 1%, and the taxes are so cheap. Yeah, uh, Nothing compares. The first year I, I have this little house in Montgomery, which is the only one in Montgomery I prefer Huntsville, and I got the tax bill and I called the tax assessor's office and said, is this only one bill a year? Oh, yes, ma'am. I said, is this only a partial bill because I only own the house for a partial year? No, ma'am. I said, is this a whole year's tax? Yes, ma'am. They must have thought I was an idiot. The bill was $118.59. How can you not question that, right? <laughs> so I got over my stupidity quick. But in Huntsville, yeah, 300, 600, 800 dollars a year's taxes is plenty. You only pay them once a year. That's the final taxes. In terms of the rental market, it is so hot. It's incredible. We put a house on a tenant after a year was leaving. So we put the house on the market while it was still occupied. We rented it for the next day. She was moving out October 31st. We rented it for November 1st. Halfway through the month, she changed her mind, wanted to stay. We said, I'm sorry, we've already rented your house. They painted the entire house in one day. She moved in on the second happy camper. Thank you, next. So that, that to me is amazing. California things take so much longer and so much more expensive. So I was just commenting that the one thing we've done successfully except in California is to offer money. 
In California, we went all the way up to $3,000 and did not get the tenant out. We ended up going to court. By the way, it was all Zoom court. So that's working fine in California, at least. So evictions are open, but not if it's a COVID-related issue. So you can't get them out if it's about money. We happen to have a different reason. They were destroying the house. In Michigan, the prices are going up. The rents are going up. Our specialty is B minus, C pluses, C's and B kind of homes. Nice neighborhoods, not the best of anything, but if anybody needs to move down because they can't afford their house anymore, our house is perfect. We keep them really nice. We fix everything. So it's top of the line for that market. And so we end up with a lot of tenants staying for a long time. And that's our goal is to get tenants that will stay in the house. We just had three that we, two of them that we offered money and they moved. One of them got $350. The other one got $500. They moved out. We painted within a week and a half. All three have been rented now. So, and the prices there are really going up. We bought a house exactly a year ago for 32,000, put 30 into it. And I was just looking today on Zillow, it says 110,000. Can I sell it for that? Maybe not, but can, I can sell it for 99 probably. So those prices are going crazy, both in um, Huntsville and in Michigan. Ohio, Cleveland is much more stable market. People don't move as much. In 2008, the houses only went down five or 10%, which was amazing, but they also don't go up as quickly. Taxes are high, both in Michigan and in Ohio. And in Ohio, they can reassess every three years. So that, that could get expensive, but the houses are still pretty cheap. So for us, what's happened with COVID is, except for the fact that a few haven't paid, with the amount of houses that we have, there's very few that haven't paid. We've got a couple of long-term tenants that have been in those houses that we inherited the tenant. Good tenants, but now they're unemployed, so they're paying very little. How they will catch up, I don't know. But the one thing that we're finding is that there's a lot of help out there if the tenant is resourceful and if we help them. So today we just applied for somebody. We told them by Friday, you're going to be evicted, but there's this program in Detroit that you should apply. We filled out all the paperwork, helped them. They're saying they will have a check to us by Friday. If that's the case, that saves their eviction, gets money in my hand, I'm happy. We've also found that there's a lot of churches helping. So if people need a bridge kind of amount of money, they're handing it out. So a lot of it for us has been just working with tenants, talking to them, being, being nice to them, as opposed to just saying, you've got to go. That's not our goal. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help the tenants. So we've done a lot of what can we do to help, but you've got to pay your rent and you've got to keep up your, the utilities and stuff like that. But in terms of COVID, our rental market has improved because too many people want out of apartment buildings. They don't want to be in close quarters. They don't want to be in the cities. We're in a lot of neighborhoods. We're not necessarily downtown in any of our cities. So that for us has been very helpful. People really want to be a little more separated than in the big cities. I think that's it. So, I mean, in Huntsville, we've seen when last time I looked at it, rents were running about $1.10, $1.15 a square foot. Are, are they still in that space? Are they higher than that? They're not higher than that. It depends on the area. So in the B and C markets, they're not even a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, they're 
right? So right. I can buy a house for a hundred thousand. That's probably 1500, 1800 square feet. I get a thousand a month. I'm a happy camper. And a lot of them are houses that were built. So in Detroit, we end up with houses that were built in the thirties and forties. They're beautiful little brick art deco. They keep that. Those are beautiful. Nobody wants the big modern nothing, you know? So you fix everything that's wrong with it. You make it pretty, you clean it up, you're good to go. In Huntsville, all the houses are old from the 60s. So you have to completely rehab everything, granite countertops, new flooring, new everything. But still, if you're at 1% rents, I can't complain. 1% or better right now. In um, Ohio and Michigan, we end up getting almost 2% in rents. And again, it's not a dollar square foot either, but in... uh, Detroit, the houses are so small, it's stunning. I mean, we don't buy anything under a thousand square feet, but there's plenty, seven, 800 square feet and they're three bedrooms, it's crazy. We normally don't buy anything under 950 or 1,050 square feet, but we can still buy, including renovations, 50,000 and we're getting a thousand a month. But your, your ratios on a sustained basis are wonky. So for example, when your water heater dies, like your your maintenance reserves as a percentage of rent end up being very high. A water heater is a thousand bucks to replace. I don't care right. whether you collect 500 a month or three grand a month. Right. Still the same. But the interesting part is that I don't collect anything under, I think my lowest probably rent around 800? 875. Okay. Yeah. So those are decent rents. Right. I mean, some of those we bought for ridiculous prices, obviously, but the prices of the houses are so cheap and there's still stuff that's been vacant. And our guess, I, we stopped buying right now because my guess is that we're going to have a lot of foreclosures. It's going to be six months to a year, but once the mortgage, you know, once they start foreclosing on mortgages, what are the investors going to do? Uh, and I, I have not invested in Detroit and it's very deliberate, but there's a lot of tax sales still in Detroit. Yes. Tons, yep. tons and tons and tons. Tons and tons. And yet, if anything comes on the market, I just bid on a house a week ago, and it went 5000 or 8000 over asking. It's crazy. Winter, things die down a bit. People don't want to go out in the snow. So January, February normally is a much better t- place and time to buy. Yep. And often we make offers and say, that offer stands. You let me know when that one falls through. And we've had many come back and say, can we take it now? Sometimes I lower the price after that. But yeah. There's still tax sales, and yet the neighborhoods are really coming up. It's pretty amazing to see what was there two years ago when we were there and what's there now. It's pretty stunning. And the other thing that both Ohio and Michigan do is that the cities are really enforcing. If you don't mow your lawn, you get a notice. Don't mow it in three days. They mow it for you $160 later for a little piece of front yard. The next time you mow it. So it keeps the neighborhoods looking a lot better. They don't put up with any garbage on the street, anything. You get a citation immediately. So that's the good news for us. That keeps the neighborhoods better. That was a great update, everyone. Thank you. That was wonderful. Everyone's contact information will be under show notes. And I would like to thank one of our latest reviewers, Mindful SC. Amazing real world podcasts. Stephanie, I really, really appreciate all the work and energy you put into choosing incredibly experienced guests in all asset types of commercial real estate. 
I'm a broker focused on office and industrial real estate and still find good tips and amazing insights in your program, be it on my asset classes or all the other areas of specialization. You are going places, Steph. Oh, thank you so much. That is such a sweet review. I am so happy you are getting a lot out of our podcasts and I will see you next time.